Hello and welcome to Cannabis Grand Rounds, a production by physicians with advanced degrees in cannabis medicine. Your hosts, Dr. Lee Van Oker, Dr. Les Matthews, and Dr. Hal Altman, will offer unbiased medical cannabis education for healthcare providers and the motivated public. Our content is selected with the objective to fully explore cannabis as science and medicine and pledges to reflect current cannabis knowledge with no hidden agenda nor sponsorships. Hello and welcome again to Cannabis Grand Rounds. My name is Dr. Les Matthews and I am co-founder and will be hosting this episode of Cannabis Grand Rounds today. I'm thrilled again to be joined by our co-founder and colleague, Dr. Lee Van Oker. We completed our last podcast uh, having a discussion on some of the important legal issues around cannabis and specifically that of legalization versus decriminalization. In this episode, we want to take a little deeper dive into the subject of restorative social justice. Now, what does that mean? I think you can think back to a time after the passage of the Controlled Substance Act and during the Nixon and Reagan years when there was a so-called war on drugs where the penalties associated with possession and use of even small amounts of cannabis were incredibly draconian and affected literally hundreds of thousands of people, particularly people of uh, race, color, and ethnicity in this country. And now that we've seen the pendulum swing as dramatically as it has towards decriminalization and legalization, There are significant issues that linger about those folks that were caught up in that prior web of legal compromise. So, Lee, let's let's jump into this and let's talk a little bit about uh, what transpired in the past and what efforts are underway to try to rectify those injustices. Yeah, absolutely, Les. I mean, the war on drugs was the biggest epic fail ever, you know, and definitely you are so correct. It disproportionately hurt communities of color, poorer communities with pervasive racial targeting and arrest. Do you know, at one point in the 1990s, we incarcerated and arrested four times more African-American men here in the U.S. than the number of arrests of black men in South Africa under the apartheid. It's just despicable. And pretty much between, I'd say, the 80s and 2007, African-American arrest rate was probably five and a half times that on drug charges than for whites or Caucasians. And a lot of them, as you said, were these kind of small possession charges, and then you're ruining people's lives with these felony records. So all proponents of legalization, and absolutely myself included, feel that this inequity of our criminal justice system um, needs to create some kind of restorative justice. Because don't forget, people are making millions and millions of dollars on cannabis today, whether it's adult use, whether it's medical, in these states where people had served terms for uh, possessing minor amounts. So in my opinion, one of the most important parts 
of restorative social justice needs to be automatic expungement of records. It so let, let's, let's get into that because I don't know that everybody will be familiar with the concept or the term. So let's, uh, let's take a little deeper dive into what expungement would involve and how it would be implemented. Right. So basically, if you have an arrest record and drug arrest records were, as I said, a lot of them were felony convictions, it's on your record forever. And once that happens, if you don't admit it at a job interview and somebody finds out you're automatically fired, if you do admit it before a job interview, you're going to be discriminated against. And it really, it, it's, it's ruining people's lives. So basically in these states that have legalized and Illinois is a great example. And I'm going to talk, I think we should talk about Illinois because they set three great examples. And I'm hoping that in this state, if we pass the referendum, that we look at these examples and really look at how we can do this here in Maryland where we are. But what Illinois said is you should not even have to go to the courts. I mean, it can be costly. It can be time consuming. It can be confusing, you know, all the legalese. Hiring a lawyer to get your record expunged is not fair because these communities are poor communities. So there needs to be something set up in the state that basically once it's legalized they start combing through these records of these minor possession charges and possession charges and get them expunged automatically in the records so i think just for the audience to understand there are states that have passed expungement uh, clauses or provisions as part of their decriminalization and legalization efforts but they still put the burden on the individual to to seek that expungement and as you say they may have to hire a lawyer they may have to spend a bunch of money they may have to jump through a bunch of hoops so it makes it almost impractical or certainly a, a much higher bar yeah, for that expungement barrier. yeah it's a barrier right. whereas whereas as you reference states like illinois have just said it's automatic we'll take care of it you don't have to do anything what you just you know you just assume that this will be expunged from your record, which obviously is a much more humane and, and, and in my view, appropriate way of, of accomplishing that goal. Yeah, they were the first state to add automatic expungement once their bill was passed. So I think that's important. Yeah, I, I do too. And the other part of social justice, I mean, think about it. These people have served prison sentences for a very, very lucrative business. And you know, like with any business in the U.S., I mean, we need diversity, equity, and inclusion. And how I just from how uh, licenses were were allowed for a medical state here in Maryland, it was crazy. You had to have millions of dollars in the bank that you had to show before you could even apply for a medical, say, dispensary license or a medical grow or, you know, a medical processing license. So not only it's very, there's a huge barrier to enter this lucrative and, business. And, and you couldn't go to the bank and borrow. Exactly, because of the banking laws. You know, there's these banking laws that, that consider any kind of money associated with any, because banks are federal too, right? So it's still a federal illegal drug. So banks are worried about the money laundering laws. So 
you know, there are, and by the way, maybe we can do a show later and just talk about what's on the federal horizon now. Um, because one of them is a banking, uh, a banking uh, law to be set too. But it's true, banks wouldn't can't loan it, uh, even in states that it's legal, because they have federal um, um, mandates that they have to maintain. So that's an issue for them. So there was a big high barrier to uh, get into this kind of business. So one of the other things that Illinois did that I thought was good is with the taxes that they were reaping from the legalized business. And a lot of the people that were already in the medical were like just set to go and create a, just an adult use dispensary too, an adult use processing. So, you know, especially if you start out with medical first, you're already going to have a whole group of businesses that are going to get into the adult use market. So there is that tax revenue there uh, pretty quickly once it's legalized. But what, um, what Illinois actually did is they created these economic opportunities the cannabis business development fund where they would help it was like uh, i don't know they put money into um this fund and then people could apply and they would help financially you know strapped individuals those uh from these communities uh that were disproportionately harmed they would help them uh, secure money to try and enter the market, which I think is very important because also don't forget, even looking for credit and loans, even if you could get a bank loan, we already know about the predatory lending and denials rates in the African American community were 80 times worse than in the white community. So to circumvent a lot of these uh, opportunities, they started creating low interest loans, um, for social equity applicants in the state, which I think is great. And I have to give a shout out to Curio Wellness in our state, which has now been rebranded as Far and Daughter. They've created a fund to create equity, diversion, and inclusion. They're franchising out. Their dispensaries are going to be franchised soon. And they've created a fund to create equity and diversity and for veterans and stuff where they will help them secure funding to create a dispensary in another state because our licenses are kind of all used up, but they're applying for licenses in other states and they're encouraging people. So I think that's very good. I've done consulting for them in training helping them create training programs, but I think it is a model for a business uh, right here in Maryland that's trying to create diversity, equity, and inclusion in this business. Lee, haven't, haven't some states also given uh, deference in the licensing to prior individuals who were caught up in the um, 
you know, more draconian legal processes of, around cannabis and, and who are in the process of getting expungement? Yes. So you have to be expunged, too, because almost all the states that started out, they were very worried about, you know, anyone arrested on a drug charge, you know, they shouldn't be allowed like a kid in a candy store or something, which is ridiculous. <laughs> but anyway, yes, yeah, so they they do, if, if you're getting expunged, they are helping those in communities that were disproportionately hurt. And the other thing is education is an important thing. And if you look at Illinois, they've also uh, created these vocational training programs in the cannabis industry that would provide like technical assistance, scholarships to social equity applicants through uh, their Department of Commerce and Economic Opportunity. But but also through the Department of Agriculture and trying to teach uh, skills like growing, which I think is fascinating, cultivating and, and processing and things like that. So they're trying to do some hands-on training for people to sort of give them this leg up in the industry too. So I think these are all, you know, excellent models. And I hope that as we go forward to that, that we'll, um, you know, for the referendum in Maryland, that we can create some models in the state too. Yeah, I, I think this is a, a, a great discussion, uh, has been a great discussion, and it highlights again the um, fairly dramatic shift that's taken place over the last 10 or 15 years as it pertains to both the the local state-level government as well as the individual views on cannabis use and the recognition that there was uh, significant injustice in the past, and now I, I think very sincere attempts at trying to uh, rectify that. A uh, lot of long way to go, yeah. but we still, or I think we're starting to move in the right Absolutely. direction. Absolutely, starting to move in the right direction. So, so thank you, Lee. This was a wonderful uh, conversation, and I think an important one for our audience to hear. And I uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. All information, material, and content on this podcast is for general informational and educational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for professional and or medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment by a qualified physician or healthcare provider. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and any materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. Cannabis Grand Rounds LLC does not offer personal health or medical advice. If you have a medical emergency, call your doctor or call 911 immediately.